0: Hey there, I'm Andrew Ainsworth, a proud supporter of Sword and Laser, thanks to Patreon.com. It's easy to set up, and what do you get out of it? Endless geeky bantering about the latest sci-fi and fantasy books. So if you want to help out, head over to Patreon.com slash Sword and Laser. Give a little, and get a lot of Veronica mispronouncing things.
1: Hey everyone welcome to the sword and laser i'm veronica belmont
0: and i'm not
1: nope he's tom i'm Merritt. tom Merritt. sword and laser is a book club but it's so much more we bring you author interviews news from the world of science fiction and fantasy and awesome discussions from fans just like you
0: well not that one person but like you
1: Ooh, that totally guy. like you oh, yeah, man.
0: Oh, that guy trouble right
1: Wait, what hey what drinking? are you drinking? I asked you, I asked you, I asked you, I Uh, asked you. I
0: tried to get out of it because I have to go jump in a car as soon as we're done. So I'm drinking water because I don't like to endanger my life.
1: What? I just, I I didn't know you had to drive. I'm proud of you for drinking water when you have to drive. That's the right thing to do. But I am, I'm braving my GERD and testing my medication in order to drink an omission lager, which is gluten free, but still- I'm not uh, gluten free. Someone just thank left you it to here. Thank you to all
0: of all of the medical advice. <laughs>
1: Goodreads. <laughs> They're just looking out, Tom. They're trying to make sure they I'm are, happy and they healthy. They are.
0: And I hope they they get that I was teasing. Uh, but but yeah, that was funny. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, go check out the Goodreads forum where people were were trying to help Veronica with good medical advice.
1: Yeah, and it was good medical advice. Yeah. And I'm still doing the things I'm really not supposed to be doing, like imbibing alcohol or eating. She's not going to take any
0: of your good medical advice, obviously.
1: <laughs> I know my body. God, let's go into the quick burns. (laughs)
0: Let's do. So we're going to start today with the list of finalists for the John W. Campbell Memorial Award, or as like Sandra likes to call it, one sci-fi book to rule them all. (laughs) Uh, Each year, the Gunn Center for the Study of Science Fiction awards one worthy science fiction novel, the John W. Campbell Memorial Award. The finalists this year are strong and long. Uh, the Water Knife, Paolo Bacigalupi, Europe at Midnight, Dave Hutchinson, Radio Man Eleanor Lerman, Luna, New Moon by Ian McDonald, Galapagos Regained by James Morrow. I'm out of breath. Veronica, pick me up.
1: Going Dark by Linda Nagata, The Book of Phoenix by Nettie Ocorafor. Ha ha! Ha <laughs> it. Where by Kit Reed. The Thing Itself by Adam Roberts, Aurora by Kim Stanley Robinson, and Seven Eaves by Neil Stevenson.
0: So they'll pick one of those and announce it on Thursday, August eighteenth, at the seventy-fourth World Science Fiction Convention, Mid American in Kansas City. Uh, but how would you pick
1: that? I know. Oh man. I mean, I've only. To be fair, I've only read two of them, so I've only I can't read two judge. Of the two, so yeah. I
0: would have to pick one of those two, I guess. Uh, but that is a strong, strong lineup there. I
1: okay. Okay, Tom. All right. I'll, I'll hold you to that. If you had to pick between Aurora and Seven Eves, which one would you pick?
0: I would pick Aurora. Aurora. Yeah, and that is no disrespect to Seven Eves, which I loved, and I'm a big fan of Neil Stevenson. Uh, But if I had to pick, Seven Eves was less expansive to me. Like I learned a lot about orbital mechanics from Seven Eves. Uh, and it definitely provoked me into thinking in a new way about our binary planetary system. Uh, but Aurora had more of that, more of the things that I hadn't thought about, and I give it huge points for turning the colony ship around. Um, anyway, don't want to get any spoilers. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. It's too. close. It's close.
1: I'm gonna do mine. Okay, so I agree with you, and that would be my choice. But if I had to pick a first act versus first act, Mm. I would pick Seven Eves' first act over Orlando's first act. Yeah.
0: I mean, we should be in conflict because that's more interesting for the listeners, but I have to agree with you. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) It's okay. I'll (laughs) accept it. (laughs) We have more casting news excitedly. This one comes from Michelle, who says Orlando Jones as Mr. Nancy in American Gods. This show's casting is blowing my mind.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing. Tons of reviewers out there saying the same thing uh, about the casting, and I'm hoping that the writing and the shooting and the cinematography is going to be right in line because everything they do, every picture I see, I feel like I'm watching my own imagination from when I read the book. Uh, I'm gonna. I
1: think I'm gonna reread it actually before the show. Probably should. Yeah. Because not not for the club because we already read it for Sword and Laser, but uh, you know that was a long time ago. That was like book pick number two or three or one or something. It was it was up there in the first first like three or four. If only I had a Wikipedia site that would immediately tell me exactly all the book lists. Uh, hold on. I got this. Three. I got this one. I got this. It was three.
0: Yeah. Okay. Golden compass Nec- was
1: one. Ender's game was two. American gods was three.
0: All right. Not bad. Well, Orlando Jones is Mr. Nancy. Couldn't agree with you more, Michelle. Uh, good stuff. Uh, actually, Sandra. Oh, I was oh, going to say ahead.
1: they actually published some, um, s- not stills from the show because I don't think they've really done principal photography yet, but they have done some photo shoots that set the thematic and visual tone of the show. So, not their actual sets, but they're kind of like setting the stage for what they mm-hmm. want the feel of the show to be. And mm-hmm. so, there were some really great shots. Um, I'm not sure if that made it onto this tour article, but there was uh, no, it didn't. But I'll, I'll find a link and we can add it to the show notes. It was pretty cool.
0: Sandra notes that legendary composer John Williams of Star Wars fame but also every other movie you've everything, ever loved everything uh, will score the music for ready player one uh, and it, which is a Spielberg production so of course he is
1: I'm impressed that that guy he's in his 80s like he's still kicking ass more power to you John Williams you're a badass Well,
0: you know you're i w- here I, I want to admit something when the force awakens came out and I had this conversation with Jenny Josephson, who I co-host Let's Talk About Star Wars with, and she also produces for, for a Daily Tech News show. Uh, we were both like, I don't know if it's as good as his other work. You know, like he may, I don't know if he's, you know, if he's quite got it. It grew on me. Now, I feel like it's amazing. Like I feel like it's right in line with everything else he's done for Star Wars. And I think that is the thing about John Williams is like his music only gets better the more you listen to it.
1: We also have a fantastic list uh, coming to us from Trike, who says uh, Taurus Fall books have been released. We get to see covers, cover prawn, full-blown cover prawn, and there's some good stuff here. Um, I am looking at this Marie Brennan cover for uh, Cold Forged Flame, and it is screaming Joe Abercrombie to me. Like something about the layout of this cover and, and just the design of it, like it feels like a Joe Abercrombie book. And I'm excited to see see something a little bit different from her because I've read all the uh, Lady Trent novels now. Um, and and so to see something in a different vein is, is kind of exciting.
0: Yeah, it's uh, a lot of these. Well, OK, I was going to say a lot of these start to look the same as you scroll down. But then then I hit hammers on bone. Uh, which mm-hmm. has got this great ink art sort of uh, approach. Um, yeah, it. The Taste of Honey by Kaya Shante Wilson is a cool-looking photo, artistic photo treatment as well.
1: Got a great one by Paul Cornell, uh, The Lost Child of Litchford. Um, that looks beautiful. Another really stylistic uh, cover from Andy Remick, uh, The Iron Beast, looks pretty incredible as well. So good stuff coming out in the very near future. I'm, I'm actually
0: really partial to the like poster art style. And that's 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 similar to that ink art style.
1: Oh, this is funny. Yeah, both those those covers that we are just talking about have the same artist, actually. Uh, Jeffrey oh, okay. Allen Love did both the Andy Remick novel and also the one you were talking about uh, by Cassandra Cha.
0: Yeah, I like uh, that style.
1: Yeah. Yeah, whatever. We'll figure whatever it out works. later. Yeah.
0: Oh, I, I found <laughs> uh, some of those pictures at the Mary Sue and the one of Ian McShane, as Mr. Wednesday leaning up against a bar. Yes. Uh, phew, 100% yeah, that's the exactly one straight out about. of my imagination.
1: Yeah. My imagination is usually so isn't good. so neon.
0: Mine is. I dream mm. in neon for the most part. I don't know if you knew that about good for me. You. Yeah, <laughs> I did not. Uh, FL submitted the variety story that Ron Howard could be reuniting with his Apollo 13 scribe Bill Broyles on a movie version of Seven Eves. We were just talking about that, Whoa. which would have Howard direct and Broyles adapting the script.
1: Holy moly! Oh boy, that's uh. Can, ooh, can they have um? Can they have uh uh Neil deGrasse Tyson play uh play the character that is basically Neil deGrasse Tyson in that book?
0: Oh my gosh! Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? Thanks. Like, is that too big of a part for him? Because he's, he's not an actor, but he wouldn't really need to act. He just needs to be Neil deGrasse Tyson. Just
1: sound like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. That would be amazing. I think that's the first. So uh, for, for, for those of you who also watch Vaginal Fantasy, uh, you you would know that casting is not my strong suit, but I feel like I, I did a pretty good job just now. Although, to be fair, he's basically already Neil deGrasse Tyson. So it would be yeah. hard to, I mean, to it's not make choice. that connection. I mean, it's an obvious choice.
0: <laughs> I I would love oh, it, t- it would be stunt casting and it's probably too meaty talking about the first third of the book too meaty of a role uh, to give to a non actor especially with there being rules about actors <laughs> and non actors <laughs> and unions uh, I don't know how that works with Neil deGrasse Tyson but I just love the idea of it because yeah. it is it's him it's totally him
1: it, 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 yeah yeah <laughs> I'm excited I want there to be a movie.
0: I yeah, we don't even know if this things. is going to be a movie or not. Uh, this is just Variety passing on a deadline report saying, yeah, we, they're working on this now, which would, would is good news, but it's far from it being in production.
1: Right, right. Well, thank you guys for submitting stories. You can always drop in stories that you want to hear us talk about by heading over to the Quickburns thread on Goodreads. Thank you, you guys. Thank you to Nokomis.fl, Trike, Sandra, Michelle, and Sandra again, because she's a baller.
0: Yeah, well done, Sandra.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience.
0: Our first thread is could be considered a little maudlin. In fact, Joanna, who started it, said I'm in a bit of a maudlin mood. But the title of the thread is how would you Re or h- how would you read if you were told you were dying? Uh, she said it's. It's making me look at the 28-page long-to-read list that does not yet include the books I rescued from my mother-in-law's bag of books to donate and wonder if it's actually helpful. Even if I was told I only had a short time to live, I wouldn't stop reading for pleasure. It's like breathing. I could live on water, but I'd want to start prioritizing. Uh, The frugal part of me would want to focus on books already bought, but I think I'd toss some of those off, too. I don't want to drag everyone's mood down. If it upsets you, don't torture yourself, but I'm curious how others would react if this were to happen to them. Would you keep going into your to-read list? A lot of people like Dara was the first one to respond said I'd reread old favorites.
1: Mm, no, I I don't do that now, so I don't think I would do that in that occasion. Um, I think I would just kind of con- I well, I would I have always said I will continue doing Sword and Laser until I die, so I guess I'd probably just continue reading doing, the Sword and you'd Laser you yeah. read the book pick. I read the book pick.
0: But you'd have you'd probably have more time. Uh maybe yeah, pro-
1: maybe to read? depending.
0: Depends on what the illness is, right? Right. I guess, I guess if you're just like, well, you're going to die, but you're still functional, you could you could still do lots of other things. In fact, Sky says, I don't think I'd be reading at all. I'd spend as much time as possible with friends and family.
1: I still would want some me time, maybe. I, I yeah, it's very hard to say. I have not yet been in this situation. Um, and we did actually have someone on the thread. Uh, Trike said I was in this exact situation a few years ago. Spoiler alert: I lived. My reaction was more in line with Joe's response, although it wasn't fiction. Joe's response was that he was finishing his own series. Uh, so Trike was apparently finishing up a a nonfiction uh, book that he was writing or series, which is yeah, that's, that's a good thing to do. That's one way of doing it. Leave something behind for the rest of the world. Finish your life's I'd wanna, work.
0: I'd want to mix it up uh, I, as far as reading goes. I mean, yeah, there's lots of other things that I would probably do as well. But as far as my reading habits, I... Would probably revisit a couple of old favorites, uh, like The Man in the High Castle, which I've read a million times. But I would also, there are plenty of books that I'm like, well, you know what? I'm finally going to make sure I finish all the Scalzi. I'm trying. (laughs) I'm finally going to dig into that to read list and just do all of the books that I really want to. It would definitely give you clarity over those things on your to read list where you're like, no, that that doesn't really belong there.
1: Yeah. Uh, Trike, I'm glad you're still alive.
0: Yes, me too.
1: Thank you for still being alive and, and being on Goodreads with us. Oh, Hey, we had another interesting thread. Uh, this one I found quite fascinating uh it was about mary shelley and uh trike oh it's from trike see if trike wasn't around he wouldn't have have posted this thread that i found so fascinating uh he says today marks the 200th anniversary that was uh june 16th which was a couple days ago uh the 200th anniversary of the night mary shelley began writing frankenstein june 16th 1816 this is a very long long post and thread about Kind of the intricacies of why Mary Shelley went to Lord Byron's Swiss villa and why they were writing together and, and what the socioeconomic situations happening around the world and the political landscape and the environmental landscape after, after the uh, Mount Tambora uh, exploded and, and the world went into darkness for, for many, many months. And it's really interesting stuff. And then other people came in and said, well, that might be not be true, but this other interesting thing happened that was true, and it's even more interesting. And then everyone's like, "Oh my god, this is fascinating!" And it was really good thread.
0: The uh, the key part for me was that they sat around reading ghost stories. We're talking about uh, Mary Shelley, of course, and she was with uh, some other people. And accounts vary which people she was with, but they were sitting around reading, go- telling ghost stories, and she couldn't think of one. So her trip, which involved. And apparently they trolled
1: o- her real hard for this too. Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. like, they, they made, they trolled they her, they trolled her, for, her for hard days. for not having a story.
0: Her trip had involved, uh, seeing a demonstration of galvanism, uh, and, and its effect on even, uh, dead bodies, uh, of which galvanism is, is, is sort of electric, uh, use. It had involved hostile crowds. It involved a castle. Uh, and so she, And the way Trike wrote it, I thought was great. In a flash, it came to her. The lightning, galvanism, reanimation of corpses, hostile villagers, Castle Frankenstein, the condemnation and shunning of the crowds. Boom. And we got uh, the modern Prometheus, sometimes called Frankenstein.
1: I was much more interested by the uh, illicit affairs that everyone was carrying on. How uh, Percy Shelley, who was who had left his pregnant wife for for Mary, and then her sister Claire was actually sleeping potentially with Percy, but Lord Byron was in love with Percy, and so like everybody was all kind of like sleeping together, like kind of like the the Kardashians of the 1800s. No relationship
0: on the actual book, right?
1: No, it's just just like you I like to think about the situation in which this story was incubated. Yeah. And so there was some some some, you know, gnarly stuff going on at the time. Some some gnarly sexy, eh? sexy, sexy. Someone should write a book
0: about that. Yeah. Has someone has someone ever written that book? Like a fictionalization of the trip that resulted in the writing of Frankenstein? (sighs) Gotta be. Yeah.
1: Gotta be, right? Like, it's a pretty famous story.
0: I What I like, too, is we didn't get too far down the rabbit hole of, well, is Frankenstein really the first science fiction story? Um, it is definitely the first modern story involving science that is fiction. <laughs> uh, and, yes. and when I say modern, you know, I say within the last couple centuries. There's, there's something about it where it's very much about the fact that Someone wrote a story in which everything was scientifically probable, even if it hadn't quite happened yet. She drew from the current understanding of science at the time Mm -hmm. Uh, and the 200th anniversary of the publication, which was originally uh, anonymous in March 2018, is coming up in two years. So I'm already telling you, March 2018, the book pick has got to be Frankenstein.
1: Ooh. Okay.
0: Those of you who like more advanced warning on the book picks, <laughs> hopefully we're all alive in March yes. 2018.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Trike. That was a that was a great deep dive into the the history of of Mary Shelley and the writing of Frankenstein. I enjoyed it immensely.
0: Oh, by the way, and on that point, Brian Aldous has argued that it should be considered the first true science fiction story because in contrast to previous stories with fantastical elements resembling those of later science fiction, the central character makes a deliberate decision and turns to modern experiments in the laboratory to achieve those fantastic results.
1: That is my second uh, Aldiss uh, reference of the day, interestingly enough. Anyway, you guys won't know about that until next week, probably. It'll be
0: your first first aldous in consecutive weeks of two is that what you're trying to say
1: yes exactly all right let's jump into the book of the month discussion uh tom uh before we get into updraft you wanted to talk a little bit about your july book pick perhaps Uh, just to let
0: people know what it is if you follow the goodreads forum or if you've uh subscribed to our patreon patreon.com sword and laser you already know this but the book for july will be time trader's by Andre Norton. Uh this is a dictatorial pick. I picked it because I feel like Andre Norton uh gets a lot of attention for her fantasy, um but her science fiction uh, is is there's a breadth of it and this book being written in 1958 presages a lot of time travel stories that come after it including Doctor Who. You're talking about like telling historical tales using time travel as a device. Andre Norton did it first.
1: Awesome man, I am missing quite a Giants game right now. Can I just say, uh, Angel Pagan just hit a grand slam, uh, which was followed no. up at the next at bat by uh, Connor Gillespie uh, hitting a two-run home run. So now they they now leave seven, lead seven nothing over so the do Pirates. You re- which
0: which pick? Don't look at the doc. Which pick is July's
1: time? Something <laughs> something.
0: Time traders.
1: I was looking at Twitter. Bye, <laughs> Andre. Norton. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yay. <laughs> See, you can
0: still act young. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> You've got the attention of a millennial. Oh,
1: I'm technically still a millennial, Tom. <laughs> Are you really? I'm. Um, I'm the year cutoff for millennials. What's after millennials? I think they're still Gen Y. I and I know they absorbed Gen X. No, Gen X is still. I'm the Gen, Gen X. Thing. Gen yeah. Y got absorbed into the aughts. The Ought, oh, so oughts. Oughts? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a dumb millennial. Sorry, millennials. We're all dumb. You're <laughs> dumb too, Tom. Your generation. No, I, I'm also a slacker. Dumb for different gen-
0: generation X is a bunch of slackers. We don't. We don't do anything. We just mm. expect everything to come to us.
1: Well, we are uh, wrapping up Updraft by Fran Wilde, and um, Tom technically uh, didn't finish, but I told him the ending.
0: Sure. Uh, you know what? You'll get this in next week's episode, too. Uh, Veronica is really enjoying pointing out that I didn't quite finish the book in time for the show.
1: And it's not fair. It's not fair because it's not the end of the month yet. There's still a good number of days left in the month. And I crammed yesterday. So I, I read I, I made a little cuddle puddle on the futon with me and the dog. And we just like we we read the book together. And I had it on audiobook too. So I was able I did a lot of walking this week. And so I just I listened a lot. And I read a lot, and I made it you're happen. You're just no.
0: You're a better person than me. I well, get I just
1: it. I, I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of having the author on the show, Tom. You know why I didn't would wa-
0: we have been embarrassed?
1: Well, because we didn't finish the book yet.
0: Except we we had.
1: Well, I had.
0: Yeah, and she didn't <laughs> know I hadn't till you told till her. Till I told her in front of her.
1: <gasps> oh, now oh. Oh. oh oh.
0: So you didn't want to embarrass yourself, but you didn't care. You didn't mind embarrassing everybody else. I'll
1: That's I'll not. throw you under a bus. I threw under the bus. Oh, I got tire tracks all I, over me. I, I I did. I did that. I'm but
0: sorry. But you know what? People love this.
1: I oh, love we, when we, throw we. me under the
0: bus. <laughs> That's like we get the highest ratings. <laughs> good stuff.
1: I'm not a good friend. Man, I'm learning things about myself doing this show.
0: <laughs> uh, but <sighs> since we're being transparent... I asked Veronica to tell me the ending of the book, so I know how it ends, so I wouldn't have to uh, tell you upfront that I hadn't quite finished it. I got almost away all the way to the end. There wasn't that much left.
1: okay. yeah, you, you know, you were you were very close. You were within you probably would have taken you twenty minutes to finish yeah. finish reading it or listening or whatever. Um, so yeah, so spoilers, if you guys haven't finished the book, so maybe skip till next time or whatever, um, unless you're like
0: me and you just have your friend tell you the end.
1: Well, you you asked for it. You asked for that. See, <laughs> si. I didn't spoil. I didn't pull. I didn't do what I Yo did to Josh a couple weeks ago. You, I, I asked. You, ask? <laughs> I asked? I guess it would be that's pregunte because yeah. I asked. Yeah. You asked uh, it. What did you
0: think of the book?
1: I loved it. I liked it. I liked it. I loved it. Somewhere in between there
0: totally with you there like there were times when I loved it mm-hmm. uh I absolutely adore the world uh and the growing bone of the city and I didn't want to admit in front of Fran Wild uh when we talk to her next week what I think uh the city is because I'm sure I'm wildly off and probably missing clues in the story that tell me what it is but I keep imagining it as like bone spurs growing on the back of a space creature.
1: I yeah. a creature
0: big enough that there's an atmosphere.
1: I also, okay, yes, um I was picturing it as a rib cage. Mm. Um and that might also be some of that Perdido Street Station influence uh coming up mm-hmm. because there are rib bones that make up part of that city in that story. So I think some of that imagery was kind of stuck in my mind. Was Perdido
0: um, Street Station though was it dead though?
1: It was dead. It was the dead yeah. bones.
0: And so this is living bone and This is
1: living it. living and growing bone. Yeah. Um, big enough that people can be in, but not as far apart as I initially imagined in the first part of the story. Uh, when we first meet Kirit, and she's talking about looking through the spy glasses at the other towers, you can kind of like almost barely see them. But when she gets into flight school, for a flight test, it feels like yeah. they're much closer together.
0: Well, and they could build bridges between them. Yeah, the yeah. Off, so,
1: and and so that was a little confusing. Um, but I think that was just my own imagination running wild with me, maybe. Um, but yeah, what kind of bone would continue to grow? Right. Like, steadily and enough that it affects the people who live there in their lifetime. Like, it's and growing also, they, pretty quickly.
0: They talk to the city, right? Like yeah. there's the people who who speak to the city, so and there's the city some gets community.
1: mad. Yeah, the city roars. It makes sound. It vibrates. It it somehow it's communicating with the singers.
0: I mean, there's definitely a piece of mythology going on where they're like, the city is mad. We must sacrifice people to calm it, which I don't think is what's really going on. I don't think the creature that grow is growing the bone wants the sinners to be thrown down no it
1: doesn't care if you're throwing these tiny bodies down onto its other part of its body but there's some sort
0: of coincident thing that satisfies it
1: and where do the skymouths fit in so we we now know that that the skymouths are have been bred in their own like through their own generations by the singers um based on (gasps) rummels did you did i not tell you that part
0: no, no, no! What if it's a nose?
1: And they're bookies.
0: <laughs> and the bones are like nose hairs.
1: No, no. And the sky no. mouths are like
0: germs, and it's the immune system, and that's why it roars because it's about to sneeze.
1: That's a little. Out and there's
0: there. wind. There's lots of wind.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, no, it's
0: not a. Nose. Sorry. Go ahead. That's definitely going to be a, a it good now. Point.
1: I, yeah I don't remember. Uh, no, it was the the sky mice have been bred throughout the years, uh, and they've become these vicious man eaters. Um, but their their original state are the little mouths.
0: Yeah, the friendly mouths. The friendly the mouse, mouse, the
1: little one that that loved carrot and saved her in the end. Um, which that was difficult for me. I'm like well, how can like you Like just
0: squeeze them and they go. Yeah, and
1: Whee!
0: kill the other side. I'm throwing
1: my tentacle arms out <laughs> to choke yeah. to death this mm. other thing. Um, yeah, that that was. I, I a sad. That was a sad. Well, thing.
0: and they're caustic, right? Their mm-hmm. ink is caustic and everything. She keeps using that word caustic, so it makes me feel like the humans are not originally from there. These are immigrants to this place. I don't know why. They, mm-hmm. I mean, we have plenty of things that can sting and kill us here, so I don't know why that really isn't the only reason I feel that. Maybe but I, I sort maybe of the feel rise.
1: Like- maybe they landed on some planet or animal, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and they couldn't live in the atmosphere down there for some reason right. or something, and so they had to go up. But why would they go up on the? Mm, I don't know. I'm con- yeah. It's it's. She wouldn't tell us either. By the way, there's no yeah. answers in the interview. I apologize. She said
0: advance. you will find out eventually, but it had mm-hmm. it's going to be in the next couple books.
1: Yeah, Cloudbound coming out from Tor Books, September 2016.
0: <laughs> and that's only the second of three, right? Is it? We're not going to get all the answers.
1: No, um, but I'm I'm excited to find out what's going on. Um, so yeah, overall, uh, Kira's relationships were interesting. Um, you know, there's definitely a focus in this world on rising up, on on moving up, moving and on up on, to
0: the East Tower.
1: Yeah, and um,
0: to a deluxe. Ezzaret was
1: kind bone. of a dick, man. Ezzaret was like not the best mom. Um, she's she's very power hungry, as we came to find. Mm-hmm. Um, she kept a lot from her daughter. Uh, there was a lot of not communication happening between all of these these peoples, um, which is part of the problem.
0: I feel like that was a really interesting part of this. Uh, the temptation would be to create an evil stepmother type character or or just an evil mother type character. But you're introduced to Ezra as someone awesome. Right. Like through Kirit's eyes, Ezra is a hero. Ezra the best. Kirit wants to be Ezra someday. And Ezra does nothing wrong. Uh, and I feel like, and uh, not being a child of of a single parent myself, uh, I feel like maybe that is a characteristic when you only have one parent that you might want to idolize them. I don't know. But I thought it was really interesting to like have even even later in the book, Kirit still idolizes Ezra, even though she's mad at her. While, me as the reader is like, no, man, i've I've kind of realized Ezra's not, I mean, she's not a bad mom, but. She definitely is not the best mom.
1: Yeah, she tries. and
0: She tries, but your hero worship was not deserved in the early part of the book.
1: Well, I mean, she's still very accomplished. She just doesn't know the... And she the, took good
0: care of Kirit. I, I mean, she wasn't negligent.
1: She's just trying to to make the best life possible for them, or you know, maybe she doesn't really care about that, and she more cares about making the best power grab for herself. It was um, a
0: balance, right? She wanted Kirit to do well but that could mean like shipping her off to other traders. Right. And that that's where Kira at first gets the scales fallen from her eyes. When, when Ezra is just about to like trade her off.
1: Mm-hmm. This is interesting. Um, I, I went to go look for some discussion threads, uh, about the book and in the thread, uh, called them bones, uh, part one, mild spoilers and speculation, uh, from Ruth. There's a post from Greg who says, uh, does it also feel like a small world to anyone else? Initially I thought there were huge distances between, but it really seems like all the towers could fit in a small state. Is mm-hmm. this all there is to the world? All that matters to the story or just all that they know even though more is out there?
0: No, I like that part. I like the fact that this this was a city. This is one city. And it and it may not even be that large of a city. This is a very this is a very small population. It's very regional.
1: And then Paulo did not like the world building. He said, uh, "For instance, it is said they drink rainwater. Really? How could it be so if they live above the clouds? Are there still well, no clouds? They still talk about their. There, there being might clouds.
0: still be other clouds I mean, there are multiple layers of clouds. You can have yeah. clouds below you and still experience rain. I've been in an airplane when that happens. So, right there, you go. Boom." Airplanes. And then he, he
1: had a problem with the fruit, like they keep eating fruit and stuff like that. They they talk about growing, having soil yeah. in 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 some of the tiers. I mean, they don't have they, like they, wide like, open farms, but no, they they do like you know terraced farming yeah. in the tiers yeah. where they like use compost
0: to to grow fruits and vegetables. It'd be cool if there was more details about hydroponics.
1: Yeah. <laughs> These <laughs> who wait, who said this? Sky says they're they're probably just tiny people living on the keratin spikes of a hedgehog with a bad case of lice, sky mouths, and dandruff clouds.
0: Oh uh, yes, that's kind of what I'm imagining—like space hedgehog.
1: He says, "I guess maybe they could be normal people on a huge hedgehog."
0: <laughs> that's that's how I was. Uh, that's how I was thinking of it. Like the adventures of the huge space hedgehog.
1: Everybody is sold on the hedgehog theory. I think we can lay this one to rest. Everyone in and the thread is pro hedgehog. So
0: I'm sorry, Fran Wild, if that's not the truth. Uh, that is our truth.
1: Yeah, I don't <laughs> want there to be another truth. I'm just gonna start writing fan fiction where it's just yes. about the giant space hedgehog.
0: Fan fix of the of the giant space hedgehog.
1: Kind of reminds me of um the other book we read, um about the people's travel. We read more around. than one. You know the one um that we read. Re- recently the catherine valenti book
0: Ah, uh, uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. radiance were,
1: were they radiance where they had the giant uh space creatures that were like the size of the oceans and and they were living they, they didn't live on them but they had tentacles too
0: yeah the whales the the one mm-hmm. wh- that gave the, milk, the whales the, v- the, v- the, v- the whales, the Cali-whales. Cali-whales, that's right
1: yeah it's all coming back to me now
0: mm-hmm
1: um, so overall though, I found the, the description of the flying machines, like amazing, like the gliders and everything they used. And I thought the, the technology was like interesting and very sound. Um, I think from, from a, this kind of world building perspective, um, the way the bone interacted felt right. Like the way they talk about the marrow and and dead parts of the bone and bone spurs. And she, she did a great job of tying everything together into a fantastical yet believable kind of scenario. Though I really am curious to see how, what the sky mouths are. They have to be aliens, right? Like what else could they be? Um, Yeah.
0: They're, they're alien, like oversized bacteria. They remind me of like whenever somebody in a story gets shrunken down and then mm. they go into a place and there's there's like bacteria or amoeba or so something. So a lot
1: of people describe them as being like cephalopods, yeah, like invisible cephalopods. I was actually picturing them as looking kind of like invisible tentacled Falcor from The Neverending Story.
0: Oh. Because he opens yeah. his mouth
1: real big and wide, like sharper teeth, but kind of more that shape, like that flowing body behind him no no arms and feet just just tentacles but
0: pseudopodia like that.
1: yeah i like it anything else you want to add
0: i only had a a uh, a hiccup at how fast kirit had to for the service of the story rise to become a singer like mm. she comes into the spire as a criminal and so they kind of like well we'll forgive all your law chips click then she's like, "Well, you'll never train to be a singer at your age." Oh, guess what? You're a singer.
1: Yeah, that I, that did all happen a little fast. I agree. You
0: have to. You kind of have to. I get that. Uh, but that would be the only thing that that impeded, not even impeded me, but that was the only thing where I'm like, "Well, wait a minute. She she, well, she's she's a night night flyer and a sky mouth yeller. Uh, mm, that happened. That it was. It, it's.
1: Picture the training montage in your mind. It took, right, it took a right. whole, basically a whole half a year for this to happen. And it's not like
0: there aren't descriptions of of how she's, you know, she's not as good of a fighter. Uh, and, and she, you know, she definitely is, is dumb about things. There's some natural talents that she has. I'm not throwing around any Mary Sue accusations or anything. She has problems. Uh, but she she does have to rise pretty fast. Oh. Rise. <laughs> Get it?
1: Good job. Well, cool. I hope you guys enjoyed it. People are still discussing the book over on Goodreads, so if you want to learn more about the book as you're reading it, uh, head over there and hop in some of the discussion threads. Good stuff going on over there. And, uh, Tom, I'm excited to read your book pick. We haven't done a classic in a while.
0: Yeah. uh, I want to go through and graph like where we've picked books. Uh, We were talking about this on DTNS this week, like 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I wonder if there's a decade that's particularly underrepresented. But we try to spread it out uh, around styles, around types of authors and around genre or uh, uh, decades. That's Mm -hmm. the word
1: absolutely thanks for listening everyone uh and as we mentioned fran wilde will be on the show next week uh to talk about updraft and and the book after that uh cloudbound and some of the other stuff that she's been working on she has a she she wears many hats and they're all interesting so you guys should definitely check out that great
0: collection of hats we just go on and on about hats
1: (laughs) she's kind of like like gail carragher in that always has the perfect hat for the perfect occasion
0: so many chapeaus.
1: <laughs> our show is currently entirely funded by you, our patrons. Uh, thank you to all the folks who back our show. And if you want to support it, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser.
0: You can also support the show by buying books through our links, find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks
1: And you can support us emotionally by leaving us a review <laughs> on iTunes. True. Nobody did that in the last two weeks. And it kind of broke my heart a little <sighs> bit uh it makes me happy to see those five star reviews i don't know guys you can just
0: leave five stars you don't even have to say anything you don't
1: have to i think we only see them if you say something that's how just say
0: describe what you think a sky mouth looks like that's fine we don't care
1: yeah or like wait i don't know that's good yeah do that that's a good one i like that what does a sky mouth look like to you five stars if you want to get in touch with us our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com our website is swordandlaser.com all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash sword and laser and you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6 we'll see you next time bye